Welcome to Stories of Faith and Hope, the podcast that inspires your faith and gives you reason to hope. I'm your host, Joel Sutherland. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. We are going back into the archives. Um, this this season, I wanted to uh, to share a few more of the older programs um, that uh, Pastor Lloyd Schomburg hosted. And uh, so today we have another one of those. It is an interview with Jonathan Nicolaitis and um, a little bit of his family as well. Um, they are missionaries in Southeast Asia. They are members of the Lawrenceburg Church, and uh, they have been there for several years now. Um, this, of course, was recorded several years ago. They had been there three years at that time. Um, but I will let Pastor Schomburg introduce that. And he talks a little bit about uh, how to be a missionary, um, even even if we're not able to go to Southeast Asia as well, or how to help missionaries um, as well. And so uh, he kind of introduces that, and then he visits a little bit with Jonathan Nicolaitis. So here is the program hosted by Pastor Lloyd Schomburg. Today's program is dedicated to all who have given a portion of their lives in overseas missionary work. You will enjoy the interview with Jonathan Nicolaitis at the end of the program. Sometimes, we hear of the sacrifice of those who go overseas and overlook the calling of each of us to be missionaries and to bloom where we are planted. Consider, for example, the admonition of Philippians 2, verse 4, which says, Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. To me, this verse is saying it is a privilege to care not only about my own interests, my own family and friends, but also caring about the interests of others, neighbors, strangers, foreigners, and yes, even the unlovely. It's a call to look past my handicaps, past my excuses for being so absorbed in selfish pursuits, to become more of a gracious host, serving the needs of others. While a senior in college, this message convicted my heart in an unusual way. While on Christmas holiday visiting my folks in Michigan, I was jogging down a snow-covered road one day and found a dead raccoon that had recently been hit by a passing vehicle. The bright idea occurred to me to stuff and mount this animal as a gift to the biology department of a nearby high school. To make a long story short, a few days later, I woke up with a gigantic headache, and my neck swelled to twice its normal size. A physician friend heard, and fearing it might be life-threatening, paid us a house call. Fortunately, the diagnosis turned out to be the mumps. But if you have, in your adult years, been subject to this ailment, you are no doubt well aware of this horrific pain and discomfort that comes along with it. How can a person confined to a bed be a missionary to anyone? I wondered. What could I do? Unable to get up, searing, headache, and consumed with the overwhelming focus on just surviving, reading was difficult. But a short article in a church magazine caught my attention. It was an appeal for readers to send $300, the amount needed, to build a church in India. Tears came to my eyes. I'd gladly give $300, but I'm a student with nothing but bills. Wish I could even go and help build a church. While these thoughts were swirling through my foggy head, suddenly I was impressed. Why not pray? Have you ever wondered if your prayers make a difference? 
When you pray for someone serving as a missionary overseas, do you think it makes a difference? When you are confined to a bed, too weak to get up, and in constant searing pain, do you think your prayers can make a difference in behalf of others? Well, I wasn't sure, but thought, it's worth a try. Why not ask God to impress someone who does have $300 they can give to such a need? So, while lying in bed in my folks' Michigan home, I asked God to impress my grandmother, who was living in Tennessee at the time, to somehow read the same article and be impressed to respond to the appeal. And if she did, I wanted God to consider it as my gift, too. Just hours after I prayed that simple prayer, my grandmother called my folks and shared how she had been impressed to send money to build a church in India. Now my prayer may not seem such a colossal thing of faith to you, and it was probably sprinkled with misgivings, but it brought me peace to know that I could do something. I could pray. Prayer is something we tend to take for granted and use only when we need something for ourselves. Please help me pass this test or get that pay raise or get well quickly. Believe me, intercessory prayer, praying that God will bless or impress another person, is a special dimension to prayer that really can lift a person and increase faith and hope. It certainly did for me, and there is no doubt in my mind that it can and will do the same for you. In the following interview with Jonathan Nicolaitis, the question is asked as to what we can do to be an encouragement to overseas missionaries. Listen for his answer. It's priceless. Prayer. And to help keep us from becoming too absorbed with the concerns and interests of self, why not use intercessory prayer? What do we have to lose? And think about what we have to gain for the kingdom of God. Here now is that interview you've been waiting to hear. I'm talking with uh, Jonathan Nicolaitis, and you have spent the uh, the last three years in... Yes, Southeast Asia. How long have you been back in the U.S.? Since Wednesday, so about three and a half days. Are you still being affected by jet lag? My head still feels a little bit cloudy. <laughs> what was the weather like when you left? When we left, it was about, usually in the daytime, 103, and the cool weather at night was a balmy 85, 86. You have air conditioning in your housing over there? The air conditioning that we have is cracks in the floor where the air comes through, but there's no machine trichet, as they say. So, yeah, fans is the main form of air conditioning we have. It moves the hot air from one place to another. Now, you've lived in some very interesting conditions. Well, all of the houses there are on stilts because it's close to the river, and the river floods every year. The land is very flat, so sometimes it floods quite deeply. And we lived in a little house that was about 20 by 18 feet. Six of us, the first year we were in there, it flooded up over my head, which is about 5 foot 12 inches deep. Wow. And so we, the, the main roads there, they build up. The main road going through by where we lived was probably about 20 feet above the level of the land around it. Did you have any extra visitors that came along with the flooding? We did. We had centipedes and scorpions and lizards and snakes and rats all in the house at some point or another. So you had some real challenges. I want our listeners to know what you think we can do for missionaries that are overseas. Well, of course, the biggest thing is praying. I've been overseas at various times in my life and felt somebody praying for me. 
So prayers is probably the biggest thing, but you can help by building awareness here, learning about missionaries, learning about other countries. Just by knowing about some of the things that they have to deal with, it helps you to kind of be able to know what you can do to help. Okay. <laughs> um, now, there, there's something we all have in common, and that is we sometimes get discouraged. Yes. And maybe things are not going the way we planned. Did you ever have to battle with homesickness? Myself, I didn't battle with that so much. My wife, however, had some very strong homesickness, especially at first. How did you stay together? (laughs) Well, again, probably the biggest thing is prayer and talking with God. But one thing that I was able to do to help my wife is in the major city there, there were some things available that were like we would have here at home, for example, maple syrup. They were very expensive. But there were simple things to remind you of home. Yes. And what I would do is I would get something like that and save it for a time when she was feeling down and maybe missing home and then pull it out, say, here. So that seemed to help out a little bit just to kind of have some of those reminders of home. Amen. Are there special foods that you like? There are a lot of different foods there. Many, many different varieties of mangoes. Many, many different varieties of bananas. One of the bananas that we had a lot of fun with is my mother-in-law came to visit. And she likes bananas really, really ripe, almost brown. There's a variety of banana over there that is completely ripe and it's still green. So we got a large hand of bananas. And when she came to visit us, we pulled those out. We're teasing her because we said, okay, we're going to eat these bananas. And they taste probably more like the bananas that we have here in the States than any of the other ones. But the color is green. So that was kind of fun. There are a lot of different types of fruit over there. Many of the fruits have really thick skins. Mangosteen is one that Bethany and and Josiah mentioned. The outside looks kind of like purplish color, like a plum, but it has kind of tough leaves at the top. And then the inside is completely white and it's sectioned off like, like an orange inside. You might have five sections or six sections. That is probably one of our favorites. I don't know how to describe exactly what it tastes like. We ate rambutan. That's another one that is one of my favorites. I know that's one of your favorites <laughs> too. It sure we, is. There are a few varieties of rambutan as well. So, and I like them. They're easy to easy to eat on the run. You can just stick your finger in the end, right. pop the skin open, and then put them in your mouth. That's right. So they're kind of like an oversized grape. What brought you the most joy? There are a lot of things that brought joy. I'll mention maybe a couple of them. One of the things that we've done is taken people to the hospital. And we have a lady who had been working for us and her father was really sick. And we found out that her father was very sick. And so we took him into the hospital. He finally consented to go. When he rode in, he could not sit up. He was lying down in the back of the truck. And on the way back, the tone... And the demeanor of everybody, she was smiling and happy. Her father was sitting up, which he hadn't been in weeks. It's hard to really describe the joy and the difference on people's faces when you see they're kind of in that depths of despair. And then and then there's hope. It's just to be a part of bringing joy to their lives. Yes. So that's probably one of the biggest things. There's also a lot of joy in my children uh, and watching their experiences 
What are their ages? Right now, they are, the youngest is four. The next oldest, he just turned seven. My youngest daughter is 11. She just turned 11. And my oldest daughter is 12, almost to be 13. We like going to the zoos. Um, All of us like animals. And the zoos over there, they don't have all the same regulations that you do here in the States. A lot more animals you have a chance to interact with and feed. There's a whole area there where they have large deer that you can feed. And the monkeys will come and get the food from your hands, even when you're not trying to give it to them. (laughs) Uh, But about halfway through the day, we decided to stop and eat lunch eat lunch and they have all these little shelters that you can sit in. So we found a shelter kind of away from where everybody else was and we were eating. We had several different foods, but the mandarins really smelled. They had that really citrus odor and we're sitting there. We're almost done eating. All of a sudden we see see these two people go by on motorcycles and they're kind of laughing and looking back behind them and we thought, well, what's the deal with that? And then right behind them, there's this elephant walking up the road <laughs> and he, he walks with a purpose and he turns in to come to where we're at and the little shelter's maybe three feet off the ground or something. So I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do here? And he walks right in and he walks right up to where we're at and sticks out his trunk. So I turned on the camera, the video camera, and we're recording this. And I tell my littlest one, he was probably two and a half or three at that point. And I said, back up, back up. It was just a few minutes and there was nobody there but the elephant. And so we weren't quite sure what to do. But then the keeper came walking up behind. And so I asked him, I said, is it okay to give him food? And he said, yes, as long as it's natural food. So we gave him the little mandarins. And apparently that's what he'd been smelling. He'd take his trunk and grab a hold of it and put it up into his mouth and eat it healing and all so we all got a chance to feed the elephant that was a lot of fun this is josiah do you have a favorite food that you like pancakes pancakes (laughs) okay do you like any kind of special fruit did you have any rambutan yes mangoes all mangoes you like mangoes too okay and mangosteens. And mangosteens. Mangosteens. Did you ever get into the mud? Yes. Yes. <laughs> we always did. <laughs> you always did. In the muddy river. Yeah. I think we saw a dolphin. Mekong River dolphins. I'd never heard of such. What's the What's the name of them, Bethany? Irrawaddy dolphins. Irrawaddy dolphins. Irrawaddy dolphins. Jonathan, in closing, do you have a Bible verse or a promise you'd like to share with our listeners? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. That's very important, especially over there, because everything goes on in a different language. And so, you know, we can know a lot of the same words. We can know a lot of the words. But if we don't know all the transitions and things in between, we can completely misunderstand what's being said very easily. There are just so many times that we were reminded that we have to rely on God. We can't rely on ourselves. And relying on God is something that we need to do, whether we're in Southeast Asia or right here in the United States. Um, Thank you, Jonathan Nicolaitis, for sharing your story. And uh, their family is still missionaries in Southeast Asia, so I know that they covet your prayers as they continue serving there. Well, that about wraps it up for this week. Next week, we also go into the archives. We uh, pull out an old interview with Kelly Alvarez. It's a powerful interview, and here's a sample of it right now. I saw a people who had a form of religion, but without God. 
and his love, his grace, his peace, I saw me. But he didn't leave me without hope. And I walked away um, from this state of Jeremiah with this nugget, Jeremiah 24-7. Then I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. For they shall return to me with their whole heart. That conversation is coming up next week right here on Stories of Faith and Hope. Make sure you're subscribed on whatever platform you're listening to this on so you don't miss it and other future episodes of the show. Uh, You can find other platforms online on our website at faithandhoperadio.com. You can find links to Spotify, Google Play, as well as Apple Podcasts. Um, And listen to previous episodes on the website. We are on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Faith and Hope Radio. Uh, Music was provided under the Creative Commons license by Dexter Britton. And uh, until next week, have faith and hope.